Welcome to my own little soapbox, where Andrea Bean Gibson stands up for wives and mothers, daughters and sisters that don't have a platform to discuss what really matters. Join Andrea and her father-in-law, Dr. Brant Gibson, as they discuss things you've wondered about and even some you may never have thought of. Now, on My Own Little Soapbox. Hello, I'm Dr. Brent Gibson, and I'm here with one of my favorite people, Andrea. And Andrea, what are we talking about today? <laughs> today, we're talking about something a little controversial, actually. Um, we're talking about the fact that I believe that vanilla ice cream is a pointless flavor, specifically vanilla and specifically for ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think you have an f- opinion on vanilla anyway, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, but like, I don't dislike vanilla outside of ice cream i just think it has its place and you don't completely dislike vanilla ice cream either i mean i'll eat it (laughs) so before we get into that i'm going to go into a little bit of the history of of ice cream because i thought it was interesting Um, most people probably assume that the first flavor of ice cream is vanilla that's not true so we're going to go back a ways we're going to go to about 2 bc and Alexander the Great is said to be the first one to have something, I guess, similar to ice cream. And he, what he did is he mixed snow and ice with flavors of honey and nectar. So technically it's a, an icy is what I'd call it. But it's a snow cone. It's a snow cone. <laughs> but, they, but they consider that the first ice cream, according to the International Dairy Foods Association. Huh, that's funny because there's no dairy. <laughs> there's no dairy in it, right. <laughs> And then it goes back, it goes a little bit forward from there. You've got King Solomon, who liked ice drinks. And Nero, from the Roman Empire, Nero Claudius Caesar, would mix, would send his aides out to the mountains to get snow to flavor with fruits and juices. How did they keep it cold? I don't think they did. So he got water. He got <laughs> Yeah. Well, there is some rumors that the Romans figured out how to have ice of some sort, so I'm not sure what they did. Um, Then you've got Marco Polo, who brought ice cream, actually sherbet is what he brought, from back to Italy from China. Um, What else? I guess in 1744 is the first mention of ice cream in the New World, and that was in Maryland. And they, they do say that George Washington paid $200 for ice cream, which would have been a lot of money back then. Yeah, I have a lot of money now for ice cream. So, to the first mention of vanilla, I'm doing this just for your benefit, was Thomas Jefferson, who had a gourmet vanilla ice cream recipe. Hmm. Gourmet. Yeah. From France, of course. Yeah. Because that's where most of his recipes came from. <laughs> that's where a lot of things came from. But First Lady Dolly Madison preferred strawberry. So she did strawberry ice cream. So she was right. <laughs> so that's all I'll do. That's a little bit more than you probably care about. Uh, oh, we should do one other thing. Did you know, let's see here, that 
New Zealand eats the most ice cream per capita in the world. I did not know that. That is an interesting <laughs> fact, and it's another tick for potentially moving to New Zealand at some point. Which is a gorgeous place. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's a, it's like Australia minus the dangerous animals. <laughs> and the reason I'm telling that is because I also need to tell you that the most popular flavor in the United States is, is vanilla. <laughs> That's because it is a blank slate. That can be used with anything, yep. It's a blank slate. And California produces the most ice cream in the United States. That's because we're, you know. Because you like ice cream? California milk. <laughs> okay. We have a lot of agriculture. So the United States is second as far as per capita ice cream. Well, we're also, you know, first in friendship, fourth in obesity. <laughs> And it is 5.5 gallons per capita per year is the United States, and it's 7.5 in New Zealand. Wait, 5.5 gallons? Per year, per capita. But a gallon... Per person. Per person! Per capita. Per capita, per capita. That's the, that is the important factor I missed, <laughs> it was the per capita part. Per capita, so per person yeah. per year, 5.5 gallons. And the Gibson household eats more than that. Yeah, for sure. It's like 5.5 gallons per person per week, and there are a lot of Gibsons. <laughs> <laughs> and we get the tallest ice cream cone ever was nine feet tall. Ah, we could beat that. We should do it, shouldn't we? Should. We should try. It was scooped in Italy, just so you know. It was probably gelato then. <laughs> it was probably not it. true ice cream, right? <laughs> mm, gelato. So. I could keep going because there's a whole bunch of interesting facts. Fun facts about ice cream. Like 1904 was the first waffle cone. Hmm. 1880s is when the ice cream sundae was born. That's because they got tired of vanilla. <laughs> and chocolate syrup is the most popular topping. That's because people wish they were eating chocolate ice cream. <laughs> no, but let's get into this because I have opinions, man. <laughs> No, you don't. I've, I've never heard any opinions from you. Hmm. Well, I mean, if you were the one that raised me, you wouldn't, but... <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, no, vanilla ice cream, it's the water of ice cream flavors. We all know how I feel about water. And, as a side note, remember if you go listen to the water episode, we donate money to Tanzania for clean water for people. Yeah, so... The, go listen to the ice cream of water flavors. What? No, <laughs> go listen to the water episode. But yeah, no, so vanilla is the water of ice cream flavors. Um, vanilla, with I say with quotes, is often used as a term for something boring. As in that man's personality is very vanilla. <laughs> because it's boring. <laughs> it's a boring flavor. Ugh. The only thing that vanilla ice cream is good for is for topping like hot desserts like brownies or pie and i would prefer peach ice cream actually on like a brownie not if it's like a peach pie maybe like a strawberry i think a vanilla ice cream on top of an apple pie is quite good it is but you could have cinnamon ice cream that exists and how good would that be on top of your apple pie so much better than vanilla <laughs> they're just so like the one thing it's good for there are better things that do it it's just it's not good like okay, so outside of ice cream 
right? Vanilla is an enhancer. It doesn't usually stand on its own. Um, like root beer with vanilla in it is better than root beer without vanilla in it. It's true. I like vanilla. But it's too weak to carry a whole dessert on its own. That's why, like, cookies and cream exists or, like, chocolate chip ice cream exists because people were like, hmm, this vanilla's not good enough. Let's add chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Or chocolate over the top of it. Yeah. No, seriously, that's also why, like, Sundays exist because people were like, hmm, this vanilla ice cream is not good enough by itself. It needs chocolate and whipped cream and nuts, etc. (laughs) Big old cherry. Because it's not good. It's not good by itself. They were right. They needed something else. But like hot fudge and whipped cream can make anything taste good. For example, (laughs) people even put chocolate on their savory food. I know that sounds weird. But the Mexican dish mole is literally unsweetened chocolate that they make into a sauce. They put it on chicken. It's delicious. It is the best. That has nothing to do with vanilla. It has nothing. No, no, no. But I'm saying, (laughs) I'm saying, no one would ever do that with vanilla. You're not gonna try to make a chicken dish out of vanilla. Not pour vanilla sauce over something. No, not over chicken. (laughs) That sounds gross. That sounds disgusting. Chocolate transcends flavor palettes. Vanilla is one note. Sweet. That's all you've got for vanilla. What about vanilla chips? Vanilla chips? Yeah, like into a cookie. Do those exist? Yogurt chips are a thing, but no, yeah, no, nobody wants, nobody wants that. No, you don't put vanilla chips. You put butterscotch chips. Butterscotch, chocolate, butter. peanut butter. Yep. But not vanilla chips. <laughs> I could see yogurt chips being put in a cookie by some weirdos. They do white chocolate chips. That's kind of like putting a vanilla chip because as we all know from... There's no chocolate in There's no chocolate in white chocolate. But some people like to actually do like a good white chocolate macadamia nut cookie, but then macadamia nut's got to be there. Otherwise, it is one note. (laughs) It's just not good. I mean, some people like it. Like my mom, she loves vanilla ice cream. <laughs> when I told her this was the topic for today's episode, she was like, I am vehemently against you on that. <laughs> um, because she likes adding things to her ice cream. She likes to add like nuts on her ice cream, or sometimes she'll even add like Nesquik powder <laughs> on top of her ice cream. Um, but it's vanilla. She's enhancing, she's trying to make the vanilla flavor better. And honestly, anything you put on a sundae, it's going to taste good on chocolate ice cream. Plus, chocolate ice cream stands on its own two feet, unlike vanilla. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, you like any flavor that's not just vanilla. Yeah, I even like Neapolitan, although I do think it would be better if it was just strawberry and chocolate. <laughs> so strawberry, chocolate, and vanilla. She would leave the vanilla out if she could. <laughs> She likes any of the vanillas that have other stuff added to them, like cookies and cream and chocolate chip and I guess truthfully a lot of them are. I mean, that Rocky Road, that's what it is, is a chocolate ice cream with all those things in it. Yeah. 
which is even better. Yeah, it is. It's better. Sometimes I don't even like chunks in my ice cream. Like I have to be in the mood for a chunky ice cream. Sometimes I want it smooth. Ooh, although I do, my favorite type of strawberry ice cream is the kind that has like little chunks of strawberry in it, like the fresh. Mm, that's good. That, that seems more real. Yeah. Instead of just a flavoring. Well, yeah, and then you get the like little bursts of like sour with every because the ice cream is, itself is sweeter than the actual berry, and so. There's a little bit of juxtaposition of flavors there. That's nice. Well, I think we need to go a little bit further in the different direction. Okay. Let's talk about what your favorite ice cream flavors are. Okay. <laughs> um, so first of all, chocolate. Just well, that, that's a given because she brought it up, I think, six times so far. <laughs> <laughs> chocolate is the best. If there's no chocolate in a dessert, it is fruit salad. Therefore, vanilla ice cream by itself is fruit salad. <laughs> Except there's no fruit in it. It doesn't matter. There's no chocolate. <laughs> Might as well have, you so, know. So chocolate's your favorite. Right. If you said, okay, there's no more chocolate in the world, what would be your next flavor? Well, see, that's the problem is that every other flavor that I like is built on chocolate ice cream. So, like, there's there's a kind that I think Far does that's called Brownies on the Moon. And it's so good. And it's just chocolate ice cream. And there's marshmallow fluff running through it and little chunks of brownie. It is so good. It's amazing. Okay, so I'm going to describe to you a dessert that you've probably never had. Try me. That you, you that you would really, really like. Have you ever heard of Death by Chocolate? Yes. Have, have you ever had it? I've had it like as a flavor of things. No, this is this is a dessert that you cook it in a Dutch oven called Death by Chocolate. And so what you do is you're making basically chocolate brownie but you don't use any water you use chocolate syrup as the as the liquid wow you put chocolate chips in it and you pour chocolate over the top of it so it's truly death by yeah. chocolate I, I would need to offset that with some raspberry i think you'd be surprised actually it's really really good i'm sure it's good and uh usually when we used to do it with the scouts it was their favorite one of their favorite desserts sure. because it's just chocolate with chocolate with more chocolate and in that case, it might warrant something else with it. Yeah, like possibly even vanilla ice cream, raspberry ice cream, <laughs> or a raspberry jam, or something that's going to add a little or bit strawberry. of strawberry. Strawberry, strawberry over the top. Strawberry is good too. Raspberry is my favorite pairing with chocolate. Although mango with chocolate is really good, and also pineapple with chocolate. You can so you want it. you want the kick with it. You don't I, want just yeah, the chocolate. I like a little bit of tart with it. I mean, I'm good just eating chocolate on chocolate on chocolate. But I do like a little bit of tart in there. My wedding cake, the, the part that we actually cut and only had a bite of, which that was a mistake. Uh, but it was chocolate cake with raspberry jam in the middle. Or I don't know if it was jam. Yeah, Christy will have to tell me. So, but anyway, it was really good. So recommendation, if you didn't hear this, is if you're getting married and you're cutting the one cake that you're supposed to eat while they take pictures, you need to cut a couple more, put them in a container, and take them with you on your honeymoon. We Yeah, take it on your honeymoon. That's a really good idea. We did save the top of the cake, and it, my aunt knows how to wrap it really well, so on our first anniversary it when we tasted ate it, okay. it actually tasted pretty good. Yeah. It was not bad. It Usually they don't. A year old. <laughs> so you have to make sure you wrap it right, because most of the time they don't. They taste a year old. Yeah, it didn't. It was really good. We'll be right back with my own little soapbox after this brief message.
Have you ever wanted to get more done in less than half the time? What if you could finish your projects five times faster? Hello, my name is Dr. Brent Gibson, and I have often wished I had more hours in the day. As a physician with 11 children, my life is really busy. I am constantly looking for a way to squeeze more into each day. Can you imagine what it would be like if I had 25, 26, or even 27 hours? That is why I started a journey and have read hundreds of self-help and self-improvement books. I have paid thousands for business coaches and even life coaches while also spending hours taking courses and learning everything I could. I found many helpful options, but I have always had one nagging problem. I could still get distracted, discouraged, and even procrastinate something I wanted or needed to get done. After years of searching, I found a powerful solution that has given me the ability to accomplish five times more in that same 24-hour period. So everyone else has 24 hours, but by doing these simple tasks, these simple processes, I was able to grab additional hours in the day without getting those hours. And this is a revolutionary book. It is important to me that you get your day back, that you get more time. So I have purchased a copy of this book for you and all that you have to pay is shipping and handling. In this book, Unhackable by Kerry Oberbrunner, you are given the steps to close the gap between dreaming and doing in just 30 days. 30 daily missions to give you back control of your life and give you more time. It continues to work for me and I want to give it to you so that you can start reaching your goals, living your dream, and enjoying the extraordinary life you were born to live. So go ahead, visit www.beunhackable.com books and get your free book in the mail. That's www.beunhackable.com books. Isn't it time to become unhackable so you can accomplish more in a fraction of the time? www.beunhackable.com slash books. Get yours today. Coming up next, Rants from a Hat with Andrea. Okay, so I guess we probably should take an opportunity to do a rant from a hat because I wanted to ask you about children's books. Oh, okay. That's fun. Um, I'm very excited about this rant from a hat. So we got to talk a little bit about a little bit of context. So I have a one-year-old. Right. My gosh, I have a one-year-old. That's so weird. He turns one on Tuesday. <laughs> um, and he's cute as can be. He is the cutest. He just graduated from his infant car seat to a big boy car seat, and my heart just broke. Um, <laughs> anyway, now we're off topic. Anyway, I, I read to my child, as, as one does. As you should. Yes. Um, in fact, they even, they recommend you read to infant babies, like brand new newborns. They've actually shown in the studies that if you read to your child, they are better at language. They are better ultimately at reading themselves. And they learn subjects quicker, is what the, some of the studies say. So, I knew about the, the language and the reading, but I did not know that they picked up subjects quicker. that makes sense? Anyway, so I read to him. And I have since he was little, little. Uh, some of the children's books that are that are out there are awesome. Some of them are the worst. 
we're gonna give a few examples here. So I understand. I'm gonna I'm gonna name, I'm gonna call out some books that I don't particularly like and call out some that I do. So for example, Brown Bear, Brown Bear, not a fan. I understand the point. The repetition is nice for the babies. Whatever. It's so boring, and the the animals are creepy. <laughs> The pictures. The pictures are creepy. They're creepy. <laughs> and then the ending doesn't make any sense. Teacher, teacher, what do you see? I see children looking at me. And then they name all the things that were earlier in the book. But where did they see them? Are there pictures on the wall of the classroom? There's no context given. How did the mm. children see the stuff? It's just, I, it's not my particular cup of tea. Danny likes it, so I read it to him. And it's one of the ones we have in hardback, so he can't rip it. Right. So I read it to him. Um... And I'm actually, I think that was a gift. So I'm actually very grateful that we have that story. It's just not my favorite one. Um, another one that I love is Pout Pout Fish, y'all. Because the meter is the best. <laughs> it's all in rhyme. And it's all just very, like, I have that one memorized, actually, because I've read it to him so many times. I have, I could, I could sit here and recite Pout Pout Fish to you. I won't, but I could. <laughs> Um, I don't know that one. I don't think I've ever read it. Bouncing, oh, it's like deep in the water where the fish hang out. Lives a glum, gloomy swimmer with an ever-present pout, and that's like the that's the meter. That's the beat through the whole thing. The whole thing, and it's very bouncy. And uh, there's like a part, it, like that repeats that um, where the fish is like, I'm a pout, pout fish with a pout, pout face. So I spread the dreary, dreary wearies all over the place. And then he says, blub, blub, blub. But I don't just say blub, blub, blub. I go, blub, blub, blub. <laughs> oh, there goes my headphone. Hold up. Um, and Danny loves that. And it's fun for me, too, because then I, you know, don't have to just read words. I can do sounds. And it's so fun. And there's, like, cute little, like, one of the animals calls him a kaleidoscope of mope, which is just cute. It's <laughs> adorable. So I love pout, poutfish. And I love ones like that. Because Pout Pout Fish not only is repetitive, which is nice for the babies, but it has a story to it. Right, and it has something to it. Yeah, there's there's like a plot. the The fish is pouty, and her friend, his friends, is telling him not to be. Is his friends are telling him not to be pouty anymore, and he's like, "Well, I can't help it. I'm a Pout Pout Fish. This is just who I am." And then another fish comes along, and she doesn't say anything. She just gives him a kiss, and then he's like, "Whoa." I'm not a pout pout fish. I'm a kiss kiss fish. And it's just so cute because then he spreads cheery cheeries instead of dreary wearies. It's cute. Okay, that, that's great. So you, were, you said you were going to mention some others. Yes, yes. I just like that one for character development, I think. Right. <laughs> um, so another one that I really like is one that doesn't actually have a plot to it and is repetitive. It's just cute because I like the little rhymes in it. So this one is called Is Your Mama a Llama? And it's, I think I've read it around you to Danny. Yep. But, um, so it's just this llama going up to all his animal friends. And he's like, is your mama a llama? And they're all like, no, my mama's not a llama. His, his friend is like, my, my mama has wings and she likes to eat bugs I don't remember and then the mom was like oh you were right about that I think that your mama must be a bat you know 
And it's just cute because when you turn the page, it says the name of the animal. And it's like, I don't know, the llama gets very excited. And so it's just, it's just sweet. And then at the end, the mama llama cuddles her little baby. And it's very cute. And I like that. I like that one. How about Are You My Mother? Are You My Mother is good. I don't read it today any because we don't have a copy. Right. But I have read it and my, I read it when I was little. That yep, that's one of the ones I remember from when I was little. Because he goes up to the, like, I don't remember what, it's like a digger or like a wrecking ball or a crane or something. <laughs> He's like, are you my mama? And the crane's like, no. And then picks him up and puts him in his, back in the nest. In nest. Yeah, that's really cute. I like that one. And the other one that I remember is In a People House. Oh, I remember In a People House. That one's fun. Because it's, little, it's like written like Dr. Seuss, but it's not. But it's not Dr. Seuss, yeah. yeah. I like that one. I like Dr. Seuss, too. I wish we had more. I don't think I have a whole lot of those. I don't think, know that I have any Dr. Seuss. For Some of them have gone away. Oh. They've eliminated several of them. Sorry to say. Um, person's a person, no matter how small. Um, oh, another one that I am a fan of is what is that one called now i can't remember the name of it it's the one i like but i don't know what it's called there's one that oh oh he has one that lists a bunch of different oh cute <laughs> brand just brought out the foot book for some reason <laughs> for some reason i have this one because he's a podiatrist that's the reason. Oh, cute. It's got a little mountain less foot and ankle dedication at the front. So what we used to do at the beginning is of opening my practice is I would give out the foot books to kids that would come in. Cute. That's so we'd cute. give it to them and they would, so it was something they could read or something they could do in this. This one's technically not a really high level book. No. But it just talks about feet. Well, there are levels, you know, there are levels of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> hop on pop anywhere. From that to Horton, here's a who, and that one's a little bit more involved. Yep, and this one's literally just feet, so. I like that. About the cat in the hat. Cat in the hat, too. Mm -hmm. I like the cat in the hat. That's a good one. My favorite was always one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, which is, doesn't have a story, but it is a collection of poems, and I enjoy that one. It was, I think that was the first book I ever learned how to read. There was also one when I was little that was like about a zoo. I don't remember much. I just remember that it was about a zoo, and it was one of those small, like, board books, and I knew how to read that one. And one of the first ones I learned to read was Do You Like My Hat? Hmm. I believe, if I'm right. And that's not the name of the book, but that's the only part I remember <laughs> of it. <laughs> Cute. Books are and, fun. Well, that's probably Red Eggs and Ham, is it? Green Eggs and Ham. Green Eggs and Ham. Oh, yeah, yeah. He talks, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's that one or it's another one where there's a separate story that's going on and the do you like my hat just happens throughout the whole thing. So, I don't know, remember. I do not like red necks and ham. I do not like them, Sam, I am. Um, but because it's gross. <laughs> Why are they green? Because it's, it's St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Which was yesterday, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, I think that's probably good, unless you want to do another rant from a hat. If you'd like. 
I was thinking, how about movies? Movies are good. So why don't you tell me about the first movie that you liked when you were watching movies that you remember? See, that that's kind of a trick question because you're not going to remember exactly what the first movie was that you liked. No, that's difficult. And I'm glad you didn't ask me what my favorite movie was because I don't have one. Well, I knew you didn't. That's the part, that's part of that. <laughs> when I asked that question, I say Wreck-It Ralph. As your favorite? <laughs> but that's just so I have an answer. Um, because <laughs> people ask that question, and I'm like, do you have a favorite movie? And then they're like, yeah, Die Hard. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, have fun with that. Anyway, but you asked the question, I should answer the one you asked. Um, so, some of the first movies that come up when you ask that question the very first was harry potter and the chamber of secrets was the first actually no not chamber of secrets <laughs> i almost said philosopher's stone the sorcerer's stone yeah the first the of the first of the first right i mean chamber of secrets too but as well i should say because that's the second one um <laughs> chamber of secrets as well but the the first of the first is Philosopher's Stone, and that's the one that I remember. Or Sorcerer's Stone, as you said in the United States. No, why I keep saying that? Yes, I do, because Grandpa Gibson has a copy that is the British version of that movie that we have access to, and that's the last one we watched. And they say Philosopher's Stone in it. They don't say oh, that's Sorcerer's awesome. Stone. Yeah, that's the only one that they did twice, though. They they shot scenes twice for that movie so that they could have because apparently Americans are too dumb to use the philosopher's stone well we'll think it's something different that's true that's true because philosophy is something different to us we don't think of it as a sorcerer alchemy. yeah right yeah anyway now I'm off on another tangent but yeah so that's the first one that came to my mind the second one that came to my mind was the princess bride which we've talked about before it's a lovely, lovely movie. The book is awesome. Yeah, you said the book was better than the movie. The book is better than the movie, but you know what? It's probably one of the only movies that stands up ne that could stand next to the book at, on the same shelf and like be good enough. You know, like yep. the the book expands on it and it's it it's wonderful. But there's I have zero complaints about the movie, none, because it's so good and it's one that. We used to just gather around as a family and watch together, even when I was little, little, because it does have everything. You know, at the beginning of the movie, he's like, sword fights, romance, or no, sword fights, uh, pirates, true love, and that, like, he lists all the stuff that's in it that appeals to everyone, and it really does. Everybody likes that movie. I don't think that anyone who has seen that movie could say to me, oh, no, I don't really like that movie, because it's a good movie. Like... Even if you're indifferent to it, that's... It's still a dislike, yeah. Right. Like, nobody's going to dislike that movie. It's just gold. Okay. Well, we've been going a little bit shorter than we have in the past because we've got some recommendations that we try to make this quick and easy for you to listen to. So <laughs> we're going to try this. Uh, if you dislike the fact that we cut it short, let us know, and we, will, we, we can make adjustments in the future. Yep. Anything else you want to add before we close? Um, your feedback is very important to us. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, it, just thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.
Think Air, and we're glad that you're still listening. And I promise there will be more that will keep you engaged from now on. Oh, sure. wait, what are we talking about next week? Oh, you're right. We need, we need to mention that. Better do that so that they know what to come. What they're, what's <clears throat> coming next. Actually, I'm hoping next week we will have my dearest friend Sarah Cox on the program. And she will be giving us her 50 cents on, not two, 50, on cats. Because we kind of bashed them a little bit when we were talking about dogs. So she's going to give us a response to that video or that it's, it's 50 cents because she won't be short-winded is kind of the idea right correct but no that's what that that's is good. what i love in the people i surround myself with so if you listen to the one with marcus he you know we were both bantering off of each other and that's exactly what we want that's what we're looking for perfect i guess now i'll end in the right way we're now done <laughs> thanks for listening yep <laughs> we'll talk again next week see ya Thank you for listening to My Own Little Soapbox with Andrea Bean Gibson and Dr. Brandt Gibson. We'll be back next week with another discussion from Andrea's Soapbox. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know and share it with your friends, too. And if there's a subject you would like considered, please leave a comment so Andrea can discuss it in a future episode. My Own Little Soapbox. My own little soapbox.